At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What's going on and welcome into a draft day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my partner in crime, Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. Happy draft day, everyone, as the Pelicans right now hold the number eight pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Thanks to our great friends in the Los Angeles Lakers and also the Pelicans will have two second round picks to boot as well. So a very busy night. For the New Orleans Pelicans and the rest of the NBA is uh, a lot of names will be called tonight. A lot of dreams will come true and we'll see who puts on that Pelicans draft hat later on this evening. 7 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. We'll let you know what we're doing in-house regarding the draft tonight. But Jim, happy draft day. This is always a fun night. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Happy draft day to you. And you're right. We would be remiss if we didn't thank our close friends in Southern California for making this night possible. Uh, this draft is infinitely more interesting to us from a selfish standpoint because of that trade. That sounded like you're accepting an award at the Oscars. <laughs> I want to thank my friends at the Los Angeles Lakers. But yeah, I mean, a playoff team that gets the number eight pick, you, you can't go wrong with that. And also we want to preface to you that we actually did this show yesterday, um, but um, my computer failed me in the sense that we technically did not have a show yesterday, so we'll see if this one's better than the one yesterday or worse. But uh, none of you are going to be able to judge that because we're the only ones that know whether that's the case. I mean, personally, I think that was the best podcast we've ever done in all the years that we've done this together. So you're so, going to make me feel bad that it, uh, my computer. Well, you know, I'm just just letting people know that you know it was it was top notch work. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to hear it. You know what? I think <laughs> I think this is going to be better, Jim. I definitely think so. But um, let's start with the top because obviously. With the Pelicans at number eight, a lot of things have to fall in order for the Pelicans to get whichever guy they're targeting at number eight. But this year is pretty different than most years, Jim, as we're going into tonight, at least right now when we're taping around 930 Central Time. There are some reports about who might go number one. There are some betting odds that have someone different. But there's really no consensus number one pick like we've had in years past. And I think that's what makes tonight so interesting. I've heard people say that this is the first year since 2013 where you went into the draft day not knowing for sure who's going to be the number one pick. Usually there is 
extreme confidence in a, a certain player is going to be pick number one. Um, obviously, in 2019, when the Pelicans had the number one pick, everyone knew that Zion was going to be first off the board. And if you didn't, if you had the first pick and didn't draft him, there was going to be a a huge controversy. Maybe even someone going into the unemployment line the next day. So this is unique, like you said. I mean, there's basically three guys that people have con- considered to be potential number one picks, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I do feel like people have started to lean in terms of the analysts of the draft and the mock drafts towards Jabari Smith number one, but we'll have to wait until uh, 7 p.m. Central to know that for sure. This is one of those years, Jim, that uh, whoever has number two, I feel like, has the best position here because the pressure of going number one or picking number one, if there's so many options you have, that number two could be like, well, this is the only thing we can control is what number one decides. So if, let's say, Orlando does go with Smith, then Oklahoma City is sitting here with Chet Holgram, who a lot of people still think could have a very successful NBA career. Number two is definitely the better spot if you're considering criticism down the road and second-guessing. Um, which is all the NBA is now. <laughs> right, right. It's fueled by that. I don't know if the league would even exist if we didn't have people doing that on a daily basis in the next morning after every development across the league. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if, if you pick number one and the guy turns out to be the best player in the draft, no one gives you a pat on the back and says great job because they're like, well, yeah, you should have taken them. You should have the best player. You had the first pick, um, whereas the second pick, whatever team that is can the, the player can kind of quote unquote fall to you. Um, I know, I think the, one of the biggest examples of that was the Odin Durant draft back in, I think it was Oh seven or Oh eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess you could say that OKC is in an excellent position in that um, with whoever doesn't go number one, they'll, they'll just take that player and, and the amount of criticism and second guessing will probably be exceptionally minimal. So let's start with, I know yesterday in our, show that you'll not be able to listen to we went through number eight as far as what picks or what players could be available for the pelicans but let's maybe kind of jump over that a little bit let's start with team needs because this is an interesting part for the pelicans is you've noticed throughout this season and through the playoffs that you probably have a lot more depth than maybe you thought at the beginning of the year thanks to um, what you got from the rookie class last year thanks to the addition of cj mccullum now, thanks to what you're probably going to have in Zion Williamson being healthy. So when it comes to tonight, whether it's position or whether it's just skill set, where do the Pelicans look as far as improving the roster? Yeah, I think first I'd start off by saying this is a good position to be in compared to a lot of the recent seasons, maybe all of the recent seasons, in that you have so many guys under contract. You have a really good foundation of players that you know are going to be back next season to build off of. So they're not in a situation like occurred several times, you know, in the previous decade and even some years where they didn't have a first round pick. Um, this is kind of a bonus to, to have so many players that you can build on and you have a, the eighth pick overall in the draft. So um, I think the biggest need for me is just to add more shooting um, perimeter shooting. They were bottom five in the league in three point percentage and three point makes last year. To me, that's the area that they need to need the most help and the most reinforcements. Um, I think we've seen over the last couple of years, especially, and even I think two years ago was even more glaring than this past season, but either way, it was a problem where you have so many games where you're outscored a ton at the three-point line, and that's why you, you lose games sometimes where the other team makes 15 plus threes, you make five or less in the same game, 
and all of a sudden you have to overcome a 30-point deficit in just that category, which is not easy to do. Now, New Orleans is one of the best teams in the league in the paint, and I think that will be even more the case this upcoming season with Zion coming back. But still, I feel like from a consistency standpoint, night in and night out, if you can decrease the amount of points that you're giving up from beyond the three-point line, I think that will help a ton. So that that's probably the area that I'm the most interested to see whether they can address. So going through all the mock drafts and, and everything you've seen, um, it doesn't seem like there's a consensus at number eight for the Pelicans. There seems to be a few guys that could land there, whether someone falls to us at eight, someone that has moving up the ladder as far as who could be there for the Pelicans. What names are you hearing as far as from the mock drafts that you've been able to look at? Yeah, I think it's interesting because there were a lot of changes over the last few weeks when I did a kind of perusing the mock drafts in late May, the the names that were projected for the Pelicans on May 25th, almost across the board, almost every major website changed between that date and the beginning of this week. So it kind of goes to show you how unpredictable this year's draft might end up being, especially the lottery part of it. Um, to me, the way I look at who's who might be available, I mean, I guess first to answer your question specifically, the names that I've think have come up the most lately are Dyson Daniels and Shaden Sharp as far as mock drafts projections of who they think the Pelicans are going to pick based on who's available. The The question of, of who will be available, though, I think is really interesting because there really are five players, um, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bencaro, Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray. If you look at those five guys, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any mock draft out there any draft analyst who doesn't think those five guys are going to go somewhere in the top seven. So it feels like those five are kind of a foregone conclusion that they will not be still on the draft board when the Pelicans pick eighth. So in addition to the couple guys that I mentioned though, um, I think the names that you see a lot in maybe that six through 10, six through 12 area are AJ Griffin of Duke, Benedict Matherin of Arizona, um, Jalen Duran of Memphis and Jeremy Sohan of Baylor. Um, there might be another guy or two. Usman Jang is another guy. I think I've seen even at eight in a couple mock mm-hmm. drafts. But I think that's that's the group. It's a it's actually a pretty big group of. It's kind of hard to narrow down once you get past those top five of who exactly is going to not be available and who who, who people think will be picked six and seven. What's interesting about Shaden Sharp, and we're not going to go break down every single prospect, but this is a guy that did not play a single minute at Kentucky, elected to sit out last year and getting ready for the NBA draft. And I feel like, Jim, that's kind of one of the trends that has certainly changed in the NBA, where if this happened a while ago, do you think executives will take a guy like that in the top 10? Like, Do you feel like that's one of the trends that you're starting to see, whether it's taking guys from the G League elite, like we did with Jalen Green last year, but seeing a guy like Shane Sharp, is there a concern or anything about a guy that didn't play a single minute in college and now is still projected to be a top 10 pick? I definitely think it's a risk because anytime you haven't seen a player play in higher competition, uh, you know, on the college level, you don't know exactly what he's going to be able to do against, you know, NBA caliber players. If he, he never even played against college guys in an organized situation. I mean, you can talk about AAU in high school and some of the summer circuits, but I think that's a totally different thing than um, a, more of a structured situation. So 
it's interesting to me. I actually was talking about this with somebody the other day that um, I wonder if this is going to be a trend. I don't think the NBA wants it to be a trend because it's kind of a, if you think about it, it's kind of a repeat of what happened when there was the ability for players to come straight out of high school to the NBA where teams never got to see them play against competition above the high school level. I think that's part of why the age minimum was put in of 19 because it quote unquote guaranteed that you would be able to see these guys play against college competition. But now there's you're, you have players that are finding ways around that or not competing in college at all, um, maybe competing overseas. So it just definitely affects the evaluation process because you're not getting the same. I mean, ideally this isn't going to happen because you're going to have, you're always going to have international players that come in, but ideally every NBA team wants to see the entire pool of prospects playing against the same competition, because obviously that gives you the best um, representation of who can compete in the NBA and who can't. Um, So, but, but to kind of go back to what you were asking, I, I, I think it's just a, a risk. I think it's something where you don't really know. But as we saw during the days when you could draft players right out of high school, a lot of teams are worried that they're going to miss on a guy like that. So you see teams taking a chance. And I think a lot of times it was just high high risk, high reward. You, you might end up with um, Tracy McGrady or Kevin Durant, or you might end up with a guy who, because he never played against high competition and you didn't get to see that, you pick him in the lottery and within three or four years, he's out of league. Yeah, uh, James Weissman comes to mind just because he played a handful of games for Memphis and then sat out the rest of the year and just say it wasn't worth it, and Golden State took him at number two. So between the G League now that has these teams that are basically, if you want to skip college or you're playing the G League, you can certainly do that or overseas, as you mentioned, or there's other leagues popping up too that are starting to develop um, with guys that they don't want to go to college for a year. So I think that's the trend that, you, like you said, is going to be interesting to see how you evaluate that based on their potential compared to actual game experience. You know what's interesting as well? Um, there's a player in this draft, Jaden Hardy, who did play in the G League and didn't play well, so his draft his draft stock dropped. So um, I, I hope this doesn't happen, but I would think there might be players and maybe more specifically agents who see what happened to Shaden Sharp not playing, and he's still in the top five because he was a super highly touted high school player. And then Jaden Hardy, who did play in the G mm-hmm. League but didn't play well and have his you stock drop yeah. dr- so much. So I'm a little concerned that that might be something that we see going forward, and that will be a negative, I think, in general for NBA teams because it's going to make it harder to identify who's ready to play in the NBA and who isn't. Before I let you go, something we cannot discuss yesterday that I think will impact the Pelicans is the trade that the Portland Trailblazers made um, in exchange for Jeremy Grant, no, they still don't have. They still have their seventh pick, but I think now there's a chance that Portland could shop that number seven around based on getting a guy like Jeremy Grant added on. How yeah. does maybe what Portland does at seven? Obviously, that it's going to affect eight, but you could see a team jump in that maybe could take someone that the Pelicans want. I think now that seventh pick becomes a lot more interesting, knowing mm. that the Pelicans are right behind them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know whether Portland might ultimately still decide we want to pick at seven because a player that we really like is available. But I think along the lines of what you said, it does seem like it's very possible that Portland will, or more likely that Portland will make a trade because, I mean, you add Jeremy Grant and then another veteran to the roster that they have with the goal that seems clear to me, which that 
the Trailblazers want to jump back up to being a competitive team that makes the playoffs the way they did eight consecutive years when C.J. McCollum was there before that run just ended. It does seem like that's something that's definitely on the table, that they could make another trade, and we'll see how that affects the Pelicans. I mean, either way, there will be a, a draft prospect prospect taken in that seven spot. So in some ways it may or may, it might not affect the Pelicans too much, but I am really curious to see what they do. And again, the Pelicans could trade up. They could trade down. They could trade out. There's a lot of different options here for the Pelicans tonight, and it should be a fun one at 7 p.m. Central time on ESPN. We'll have a live draft show. Aaron Summers and I, 6 to 6.30 on pelicans.com and on Twitter at PelicansNBA. And then, of course, Jim will have a recap of the entire draft on Pelicans.com later on. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim underscore I can offer for updates throughout the night as he'll be right across the street, right across the way here um, where I'm sitting in our office here, um, hopefully enjoying some chicken tenders as well, From which is the best part, I think, sometimes of the draft is being able to enjoy those. So, Jim, enjoy the night. I will. I will be happily chowing down on some chicken tenders, but also – Really looking forward to the draft. I've heard a lot of people say that you know this year's free agency class is um, not as strong as it usually is. It might be even considered weak. So I've heard people say, including the uh, expert Woj, talk about how for a lot of teams the draft is kind of their free agency this year and the the chance that they have to make some big moves. So I think for speaking for all people who follow basketball and fans. Uh, that would be really fun if there are a lot of trades. I think that's definitely possible tonight. One piece of advice for you all that don't want things spoiled. Do not follow the Woges or the Shams or any of those because they will be tweeting ahead of who's being picked. So if you want to wait till Adam Silver makes the announcement for each pick, I would advise maybe getting off social media, which is probably not a bad thing anyways uh, these days. But um, just kind of wanting to warn you, Jim's not going to be that guy that does it, but... There's going to be a lot of people out there that will have the pick before it goes up. So if you do want to know in advance, those are the guys to follow. But if not, um, keep it locked on pelicans.com and also just watch it on ESPN at 7 p.m. or listen on ESPN radio. All right, that'll do it for our NBA draft preview. Enjoy it wherever you may be. Plenty of watch parties, parlays. You have Mid-City Yacht Club. If you're not at the Smoothie King Center with Aaron and I tonight, make sure you're at one of those to enjoy the evening as well. For Jim, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.